0: Welcome to another Stock Market Media Group CEO interview. As part of a series to keep investors informed, we invite executives to tell their company's story. So sit back, listen in, and let's meet today's guest. Welcome in to another Stock Market Media Group CEO interview. Today, we're joined by two gentlemen from Nuvelix Incorporated. The company trades under the ticker symbol NVLX on the OTCQB. And without any further ado, let's introduce both men. First, the CEO, Ken Wagoner, and Dr. Gerald Crabtree, who is the COO. And we are excited to have both. We have plenty of questions for you, so we'll get right to it. Both men are at the ASCO conference in Chicago, the American Society of Clinical Oncology. And, guys, does it feel like Nuvolix really belongs this year? Maybe give us a a wrap-up of how things have gone at the conference for you, and, uh, and let us know, do you feel like you belong there this year?
1: We really appreciate the opportunity for us to be part of your program. We indeed are part of this ASCO annual meeting. It's pretty exciting. We've been here since late last week. We're here with 30,000 other attendees. Believe it or not, those attendees, or a good portion of them, have generated 10,000 presentations, all involving oncology. We've met with a number of people that we're involved with currently, and we've met with a number of others that we plan to be involved with in the days ahead.
0: Dr. Crabtree, your thoughts?
1: It's given us an opportunity to meet with some people that, A,
2: are already familiar with the technology and are excited about it, and B, other people that want to know more about it. So it's been a really productive meeting. We've had private meetings with certain people. It's just been a very hectic time, but very rewarding.
0: And Dr. Crabtree, now that Nuvelix has named CNS, or Clinical Network Services in Australia, as the CRO, the contract research organization that will be handling all aspects of the phase two B trial. Can you give us a, a feel for what uh, the goals are? For anyone that may be new to Nuvelex, what exactly are the goals for this phase two B?
2: The goals are the same as they were in the early phase one, two trials, and that is anti-tumor effects of the pancreatic cancer treatment, is pancreatic cancer treatment. And those include median survival, percentage of one year survivors, and as well a quality of life questionnaire will be used throughout the trial. The difference is that the 2B trial is actually like a mini phase 3 trial. It will be two-armed in nature, randomized, in other words, the patient pool will not be all women on one side or all men on another side. It will be truly randomized. It will be carried out at more than one site, several sites, this will be done in Australia, Uh, 50% of the patients will receive Nuvalex's treatment and the other 50% will receive the best available therapy, which currently is cell genes, a combination of abraxane and gemcitabine. Another difference in the 2B study from the previous trials will be that in the previous trial, only two courses of treatment with cell encapsulation plus uh, iposamide were given. In this trial... More than two courses will be given, but the similarity will be that the dose will remain the same as it was previously, in other words, one-third of the normal dose. And Dr.
0: Crabtree, what would be the significance of more than the two courses that were used in the past? What would be the significance to use more than that?
2: The way it works out essentially is one injection of the capsules with the cells inside them is given, only one. But the drug is given more than once. And in the previous trials, it was given 21 days apart, two injections, 21 days apart. And the reason for that is so that any residual drug would be eliminated long before the second treatment would be given. And we're gonna maintain that same schedule, probably. We don't know yet how many courses of therapy we can give. In other words, the drug will not build up in the system, and more courses necessarily give increased side effects. The side effect profile may remain, we hope, the same as it was in the early phase 1-2 studies, and that is essentially zero serious side effects.
0: With the naming of the CRO, the phase 2b certainly seems to be entering the home stretch. So Ken, I'll ask you the million dollar question, when are the phase 2B trials to begin?
1: The phase 2B trials will start when the uh, GMP facility that Austria Nova Singapore is in the process of building in Bangkok, Th- Thailand is complete and the regulatory approval process has run its course. The facility is currently uh, being manufactured. We're at the uh, home stretch and then comes the regulatory approval process.
0: Okay, thanks Ken. That actually gives us a target, gives us something uh, a milestone to look forward to, and we see that, we know that we are really close to the beginning of this trial. But I have to imagine that in the interim, a perfect way to pass the time is that you have plenty of work left to do to begin the phase 2B. So I'll ask this next question that seems obvious. What is left to do to begin these phase 2B trials?
1: With respect to what remains to be done, we've put together a a world-class team of oncologists, physicians, scientists, and clinicians. I think our shareholders know that we have Dr. Matthias Lohr working as part of our new uh, team. I refer to this team as the Ocean's Eleven team, along with Clinical Network Services. Clinical Network Services was the CRO, or the Contract Research Organization, that actually was keyed up to handle the phase three trial of the same technology that we're going to be starting our phase two B in in Europe. As most people know, that trial did not take place, but Clinical Network Services was ready to go. At the time, Dr. Matthias Lohr, who is now back on this team, was the principal investigator. Uh, he is, uh, for all intents and purposes, functioning as our chief medical officer in connection with uh, all that we're doing, but in particular the phase two B. We'll be speaking with another member of our soon-to-be Oceans 11 team tomorrow. We're going to be interviewing an individual who is very familiar with this technology. He is a world-class oncologist and gastroenterologist out of Europe. We believe he'll come on board this week. We have one additional member of our team to add to it, and that is a, another world-renowned intervention radiologist. That individual is in Germany. He'll be working with uh, our intervention radiologist in Australia as we undertake our phase two B. Again, we put together a really world-class group of doctors, scientists, and clinicians that will be working in concert with one another as we move forward on our Phase 2B. Now, there's a lot to be done between where we are now and when the GMP facility is finished and certified over in Bangkok, Thailand. We'll need capsules from that facility to commence our Phase 2B. Jared, why don't you go ahead and outline what remains to be done between now and then. As Ken said, during the time it's going to take
2: to finish the GMP facility and get it accredited by regulatory authorities, the contract research organization that we've uh, contracted with uh, Clinical Network Services in Australia will be working on a variety of aspects that lead up to a clinical trial. Things like identifying study sites and investigators within those study sites in Australia arranging for institutional review board meetings of the study at those sites, preparing a clinical protocol, preparing an investigator brochure or a user manual, if you will, arranging for investigator meetings where all the investigators meet and the whole science behind the technology is gone over and the protocol is gone over And any questions, any clarifications, any changes to the protocol can be made well before the study is initiated. They will be responsible for arranging and participating in meetings with the regulatory authorities in Australia, Therapeutic Goods Administration or TGA. They will help in preparing an IND equivalent for the TGA prior to the trial. And they will help in preparing study sites, as Ken mentioned, in concert with the interventional radiologist. Who will go to Australia to teach them how to do the actual placement of the capsules. It's a complicated procedure, but it's something interventional radiologists will love to do, and this person will go to Australia and train them under the aegis of CNS. And they will also do things like coordinate drug shipments and encapsulated cell shipments and have them ready on site prior to the initiation of the trial. Then, of course, they will continue throughout the – once the trial starts, they will continue to monitor the trial, visit the study sites on a regular basis to make sure everything is up to snuff, if you will. And, of course, the final thing that they will do is prepare and submit a final study report to the regulatory authorities for consideration for approval. That's a list, but there are more little things that will go on at least the first seven-eighths of that list will be done in the time frame that it's going to take to get the GMP facility finished, built, and approved by regulatory authority.
0: Thanks, guys, for laying that out for us. Ken, we'll go back to you. Uh, recently, we learned that Nuvolix had entered into another area of study regarding pancreatic cancer, and that related to TD2 being involved as the CRO for preclinical studies and clinical trials, to study the symptoms associated with pancreatic cancer. Now, this was new, of course, so it caught a lot of people off guard. How did this two-pronged attack come about? Whose idea was this?
1: Well, it really wasn't our idea. Back in early January this year, I received an email from Dr. Daniel D. Von Hoff congratulating us on the progress of our technology and offering to get involved at the time I I didn't know that uh, Jerry actually knew Dr. von Hoff. I got a hold of Jerry and sent him a copy of the email, and then Jerry took it from there. He uh, got in touch with Dr. von Hoff, met with him in the Bay Area, and uh, Dr. von Hoff introduced us to translational drug development. That's TD2, and the rest is history. We are off and running with TD2. It's really the, the precision oncology PRO in the United States. They are focused on oncology, and that's it and we're very much involved with them both at the preclinical study level and at the clinical trial
0: level. Well, I have to admit, hearing that the idea to study the symptoms was Dr. Von Hoff's, and that he came to you guys versus the other way around, that's pretty stunning. And I think if the world's leading authority on pancreatic cancer getting excited about your technology doesn't get shareholders excited about the technology as well, I don't know what will. So you say that he brought you to... TD2 as the new CRO to handle these preclinical studies and clinical trials, what exactly will be going on with TD2?
2: The phase two clinical trial in Australia and the work to be done by TD2 are distinct and separate. As for TD2, what they're looking at is things that are associated with pancreatic cancer as it becomes advanced. And one of the major factors is pain. This pain is intractable, untreatable, and unbearable. And in fact, it's been told to me that people that have advanced pancreatic cancer, a lot of them do not die from the progression of their tumor. They die from the pain that's associated with it. They just give up. And in fact, Ken's father died from pancreatic cancer and from, gave up.
1: Exactly what Dr. Crabtree or Jerry just explained is what my father experienced after going through a series of clinical trials because of his advanced inoperable operable pancreatic cancer. The second
2: part of the TD2 stuff is the ascites, and that is simply the accumulation of fluid in the abdomen that occurs with most abdominal tumors, including pancreatic cancer, of course, as well as non tumor-type diseases, but in the case of ascites fluid accumulation that's associated with tumors, that fluid is called metastatic ascites because it contains free-floating tumor cells. And these tumor cells can become seeded into areas of the abdomen and form new tumors, which is, of course, very problematic. The other thing about this ascites fluid accumulation, it's not a minuscule amount of fluid It causes gross swelling of the abdomen. It is very uncomfortable and painful for the patients and therefore must be removed on a regular basis. So the idea behind PD-2 studies on ascites is, can we lengthen the time before that fluid has to be removed? In other words, the quality of life of the patients will be better. Both the pain and the ascites are associated with the tumor they're not associated with the treatment that we will use in the Phase b studies. 1st They're associated with the tumor, and they have to do directly with quality of life. And the way this came about, I firmly believe, is that Dr. Von Hoff looked at the, at the study reports that were published on, on the Phase I-II study, and he saw the quality of life of those patients was quite good And he firmly believes that both pain and ascites may be affected by using our treatment in that it's associated with slowing down the growth of the tumor. But he believes that there may be something there on a quality-of-life basis.
0: Dr. Crabtree, Nuvolix's pancreatic cancer treatment has a better survival rate than Celgene's Abraxane, which is the gold standard, and also Eli Lilly's single-agent gold standard, Gemcitabine, do you feel like the reason that Nuvolix's pancreatic cancer treatment is able to achieve these higher survival rates has anything to do with its potential to relieve pain and potentially slow ascites?
2: If it does decrease the pain, then maybe the patients won't give up, okay? And therefore, survival times would be better. As for the ascites, I do not think that that would be the case simply because you can keep removing this fluid. This is not an easy procedure. You don't just stick a needle in there. I mean, you essentially make a cut, and then you go in, and then you suck this stuff out. But certainly with the pain, and when you put it that way, it's a good, a good angle. I, uh, if the pain is less and the patients can tolerate it better, then their survival times may be increased.
0: Okay, so any idea when TD2 will get started with these preclinical studies?
2: As soon as they can implant the tumors in mice and get them to grow up, I don't know the actual doubling time of those tumors, but I suspect it's in the order of a few weeks. And then you can start treating the mice.
0: Wow, so as early as a few weeks. That's exciting news. How about uh, any other studies going on at TD2? Will it just be the pain and the ascites?
2: There will be two others, actually. And one of them has to do, and it's an old interest of mine, one of them has to do with liver tumors or hepatomas. Now, pancreatic cancer metastasizes or spreads preferentially to the liver. And in fact, in the early phase 1-2 studies, in that report there was a short bit in that report that said tumor nodules in the liver were reduced in size. Seems to me to imply that the activated drug may get through the pancreatic blood vessels and go down to the liver and also have a, have a good effect on the metastatic nodules from, from the pancreas that occur in the liver. So I think that's a, a great area to look at. And uh, the other one is sarcomas, which are solid tumors that occur in various areas in the body. And sarcomas are more or less hard to treat, but they have a decent blood supply, so implanting these capsules in the tumors and then treating them with with may be effective. Ifosfamide is effective somewhat against sarcomas, so that's an obvious other target, and that's a, you know a two-pronged approach to where we are now. And the, for the future, we've got the hepatic tumors to look at in sarcoma.
0: Dr. Crabtree, in your professional opinion, do you feel that Nuvelix's pancreatic cancer treatment will receive orphan drug status.
2: In my professional opinion, absolutely yes. The reason is simple. Orphan drug status is predicated in nearly every country that I know of. is predicated on the occurrence of the disease. It is given to treatments for rare, unquote, diseases. In the U.S., the, the limiting figure is 200,000 new cases per year or less. Pancreatic cancer in the U.S occurs in only about 45,000 new cases per year. In Europe, it's similar. In other countries, they have limits too, but they're also it's also classified as only treatments for rare diseases. And pancreatic cancer fits the criteria. Now, the advantages of receiving orphan drug status, you extend the number of years of marketing uh, exclusivity for your treatment. In the U.S., it's seven years. In Europe, it's 10. I'm not sure what it is in other countries. But you're, to answer your question simply, I, I don't think there's any doubt that we'll get orphan drug status for this treatment. In fact, in the past, the treatment had received orphan drug status by the EMA in Europe, which is the equivalent of the FDA. So there's no doubt it would happen. Again.
1: we hired, among other things, CNS to actually file and pursue our open drug status applications. In several. Uh, in uh, Europe, uh, in Australia, and here in the United States. We are currently, currently working in that. Maybe Canada also.
0: Ken, you recently entered into an at-the-market agreement with Chardon Capital Markets. Talk to us a little bit about the Chardon deal and uh, also why was it important for you to make this deal?
1: Let me tell you what is the most obvious reason I have is that I work for the shareholders. And what's in the shareholder's interest is the best interest of this company. That's what drives us day in and day out. The Chardon transaction really presented a unique opportunity for us. First of all, obviously, it presents an opportunity for us to access $23 million more than we had with Lincoln Park. The Lincoln Park transaction is a $27 million transaction. Our banking agreement with Chardon is a $50 million transaction, at least up to $50 million. What's unique about the Chardon transaction and how it differs significantly from Lincoln Park is the shareholder value much greater with Shardon than with Lincoln Park. Why? Because the structure of the deal enables us to control the number of shares that we actually place into the market. We are not required to place any into the market. We place shares into the market when we need additional capital to advance our interests, both in the preclinical studies and the clinical trials that we've been talking about. But what's different about Chardon from Lincoln Park is we actually control the price at which we will be selling our shares into the market. That was not the case when we called, when we, we would put a call into Lincoln Park to have them sell our shares. They were to receive those shares at 95% of the current selling price of the shares. And then they placed the shares into the market. That's not what we have here. We will control the share price. We will determine whether or not and under what circumstances we'll be putting shares into the market and the price at which we're willing to sell those shares. There's no discount to market with the Chardon transaction. All we're doing is paying a 3% transactional fee. So it's a much better deal from that perspective. Again, if the price continues to rise in our shares. It means we put fewer shares into the market. Why? because as the price rises and we're looking to raise a certain amount of funds, we don't have to sell as many shares into the market. It may be that we never get to that $50 million mark or remotely close. We, we simply got a better deal with Chardon than we, than we had with Lincoln Park. Even Lincoln Park recognized that, and they were able to see their way clear because they were looking out, I think, for the interest of their shareholders as well. sizable shareholder of ours and enabled us to move forward with our transaction with Chardon. We have potential investors knocking at our door every day, looking to finance our efforts both in the preclinical and the clinical studies that we're going to be working in. We started with Lincoln Park. It was the right transaction for us at the time. We believe that Chardon is now the right transaction for us at this time, but there are a number of others that continue to knock on our door to see if we can restructure ourselves in a way that would even further increase shareholder value. That's basically why we did what we did. We have not closed any doors moving forward with any of those individual funds or investors that have knocked on them, uh, and we continue to look for opportunities to increase shareholder value. Shardin is just an example, but one that we're excited about having at the current time.
0: And with that, I have exhausted all of the questions that I had for the two of you. However, I will leave this last opportunity for each of you, to give a final thought or conclusion or some parting shots that you may have. And we'll start with you, Dr. Crabtree.
2: This technology, people in the know, oncologists, the oncology community, are starting to look at this, and they're impressed by it. And I've talked to numerous people about it. And
1: the excitement is growing.
0: Thanks, Dr. Crabtree. And now, Ken, we will give you the final word.
1: The level of enthusiasm in this technology is it's surprising at a, at a minimum. I know Jerry and I have worked awfully hard here the last several months getting it to where we are now. But, you know, when, when we went out and, and started to put together this Ocean's 11 team to work on the Phase 2B clinical trials, what was so encouraging about it was how willing those that were involved with in this technology over 10 years ago were, uh, were to get involved again. And excited, not, not willing, but excited about this technology. Dr. Lohr lit up when he realized that he could be part of this Ocean's Eleven team that we're putting together. Others have as well. So we're just really excited about the opportunity to get this product to market. Any delay in getting this product to market for a pancreatic cancer patient is a four-letter word. We are committed to getting this technology to market just as soon as we can. And we have since we put this new management uh, structure in place, and there hasn't been a time when we've slowed down a bit. It causes us sometimes to work more than we'd like to, but every day we get up more enthused than the day before.
0: And I can't think of a better way to conclude this interview. And I thank both of you, Dr. Gerald Crabtree, the COO at Nuvolix, and Ken Wagoner, the CEO at Nuvolix. The company is Nuvolix, Inc. It trades on the OTCQB under the ticker symbol NVLX. And it has been a privilege to interview both of you gentlemen today and have you take a little bit of time out of your busy schedule there at the ASCO conference We thank both of you, and we thank you listeners for tuning in to another CEO interview. This has been another Stock Market Media Group CEO interview. Keep listening as executives continue to tell their story and investors stay informed on the companies
2: they own right here on StockMarketMediaGroup.com.